Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, College for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, June 16th, we're studying Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 to 11. In today's text, John hears a loud voice from heaven command the pouring out of the bowls of God's wrath, and then he witnesses the first five bowls. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Assistant Vice President of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Thank you, Pastor Oppel. It's good to be with you again. Tell us how things are going there at the seminary, Pastor Wheatfelt. What's coming up this summer? Absolutely. Things are going fantastic. We just uh, had our graduation a couple of weeks ago, and this week we have our um, Christ Academy Family Institute starting on the uh, the 16th, 17th, so today, starting uh, later this evening, 17th, 18th, and then um, we've got our Christ Academy High School students coming in. We've got a big group, almost 100 students coming in this year. And uh, to conclude uh, then their time, we've got uh, a dear friend of, of myself, and I believe of you too, Pastor Oppel, uh, Chris Hall is uh, coming in, and uh, he's going to do our last day with the kids. So That's true. yeah, they should have a great time. Hall exactly. Is there. <laughs> 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 yeah, we're looking, looking forward to it. So he's not only is he a, a graduate of our institution, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, but he's also a graduate of, of Christ Academy. He's one of the first Christ Academy uh, groups that came through in uh, the early 2000s. So it's nice to have those touch points and to be able to see uh, you know, some of the products uh, for better, for worse, if you will. Uh, if you, if if our listeners know Pastor uh, Pastor Hall, he's a he's a hoot and a half, and uh, look, right. but looking forward to have him have him on campus with us. Fantastic. Well, that's a lot of great opportunities happening there in the summer, and then of course the academic year getting started again in the fall. So, a reminder for all of us to keep the seminaries in our prayers as they continue to work toward providing leaders, pastors for the church. We get to study Revelation chapter 16. Do they study the book of Revelation at Christ Academy, Pastor Wheatfield? We we have in the past. We don't on a regular basis. Our curriculum, um, which I know that sounds really dorky, but it's really <laughs> cool. It is really cool, I promise. Our Christ Academy curriculum has, uh, has it come up every three years. So I think it's okay. coming up not this year, but next year. So we, right. do study, we do study the book of Revelation. So <laughs> All right. All right. So we get to, to study the book of Revelation. As, as we get started, let's talk a little bit about the book in general. How do we need to approach it as Christians so that it remains a helpful and useful book to us? Absolutely. There are so many unhelpful uh, approaches uh, at, at looking at the book of Revelation. Um, every Everything from, you know, some sort of apocalyptic roadmap as to uh, if you if you if you follow these things, you can tell when the end times is coming to it solely being some sort of code book uh, for uh, the Christians or something along those lines. 
Um, but John, John is John is actually having a revelation here. I mean, we, it may not be as uh, it, it, things may not happen in the ways that he describes it, because John is a human being of the first century, and he is trying to make sense of the heavenly things um, of and of this of this magnificent uh, prophetic vision uh, in order to really see how things are going to end up. So for John, there really are, are, are three significant things with the revelation. And again, this is John the Apostle uh, who's writing this, not John the Baptist, uh, but John the Apostle. Um, and so he, this is the last book of the Bible. This is the last, uh, in a sense, hurrah uh, for what is happening for the church uh, moving forward as the church militant. And um, remember, they're under persecution. John writes this on the island of Patmos. Uh, he is he is in persecute. He has been persecuted himself. He's 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 exiled, and so he's he has this vision. The other thing to realize, and I think uh, is a major significance for uh, John also, is that this book is utterly Christological. It is Christ through and through. Uh, in every in uh, every page that you turn, in every word that you see, Christ is it reigns supreme throughout the whole thing, mm-hmm. and then that then leads into a third kind of significant thing because Christ is so central here in the Book of the Revelation. Then this also celebrates, and it's a celebration of God's saints, uh, those who have been washed in the robe and, and and given. Uh, Christ's robes of righteousness. It is uh, so. It, it is about us as as the church, the church militant, ultimately the church triumphant, um, always uh, residing and resounding in Christ uh, re, and 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 what He gives in His gifts. So this this book is is uh, again the you know the last book of the Bible that's important, uh, utterly Christological, and and celebrate. It is a celebration. It should be received as a celebration uh, of the saints. Um, and then uh, it also has an apocalyptic streak about it. You can't get away from the fact that this is the end times. Yeah. It's just, it is it is the end of time. It is Satan thinking that he has a, a victory to win, but ultimately it's Christ uh, who is who has already won the victory. And because of that, then there's nothing for us to fear. There's nothing for the Christian mm. to fear. This gives uh, absolute comfort to us, knowing that ultimately Christ has it all in his hands. He's in control. It's going to be okay. And so for us, it should not frighten us. It should not make yeah. us scared. Uh, it should not make us feel like we are we, we are here in fear and trump, in, in intrepidation, but instead that this is going to be fine. Everything, I mean, regardless of how it how it turns out, or how, regardless, I should say, regardless of how everything happens, right? It's all going to be okay in the end. So, yeah, I, I, you know, read, read, read the book of the Revelation with, with, with that, with those things in mind, and you see it as just this amazing, um, the book, amazing letter to the church, uh, for the sake of the comfort of us and the church. As yeah. the church, I should say, us as the church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No matter how it, no matter how we get to that last day, no matter what trials, tribulations are in store for us on the way there, 
We know where the journey ends. We know who has won the victory. We know who is reigning right now. And so it, it does then become a book of comfort to us as Christians. And that's true even when we read texts like what we get today in Revelation 16, which is a rather, it could be on its own, a frightening vision. We're going to see some pretty extreme things that happen when these first five bowls of God's wrath are poured out. But before we look at this text in particular, Pastor Wheatfelt, what do we need to know about the surrounding context leading up to chapter 16 that'll help us with the verses we've got today? Absolutely. So I, we we should we shouldn't hold these verses in isolation. I mean, they don't, actually they don't make sense at all <laughs> if we hold them in isolation. Um, earlier in 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 the Revelation, you know, John is says who he's writing to. He's writing to the church, and he lays out what those what those churches are in in uh, Asia Minor. Uh, but he's not just writing to them. He's using them kind of in a way of uh, just as uh, placeholders uh, for the church Catholic, uh, the church, the Christian church, the whole United Universal Church. Um, And uh, he, in that way, then he, uh, he, he's writing to us in in that way. Well, you get closer uh, to where we are for today in verse 14, you've got the lamb uh, who sits on his throne. And then you have the 144,000 that goes, you know, I, I, I love this kind of idea of the 144,000. Um, it is, it is a num it, it is a biblical numerology. That is the numbers of the Bible and how the Bible uses numbers to convey uh, its message and to can, and, and to ultimately show things kind of in between the lines. Um, so, um, it you know the 144,000 isn't a designated number given to those who are elect, as some would say, those who are going to be saved, um, as others would say, but it is to show the wholeness of the church. Um, and so yeah, it's 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 an, it's it's an intended to do that. Then there's the message of the three angels in verse four in chapter 14, excuse me, and then it goes into um, kind of like the first set of um almost like a woes against the world if you will the seven angels and the seven plagues that are going to be unleashed upon the earth uh, because the earth is um is, is sinful it's rejected god it's 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 killed christ and now it's killing his saints and um and it's put them in persecution and so um it is it is shown itself to be anti-christ and in that way it uh it it is going to be destroyed and then we come to today where we have um the seven bowls uh, uh with with god's wrath in it and today we see we see the first five of them we see uh one through five um and uh it's it's very interesting to to see uh, break apart each of each of these as as uh, they are a different uh wrath a different uh punishment uh and for a specific group within that as well. Yeah, just thinking about the book of Revelation as a whole, we've talked about a number of times that there is a cyclical nature to the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. It's not intended to be read from point A to point B, chapter 4 to chapter 22, but there is a cycle or even a spiral within the book. And I think it's really easier to see when you have these groups of seven. So we had the seven seals, and then the seven Mm -hmm. trumpets, and then there was that more 
you know, cosmic scope of history with the dragon fighting yeah. against the woman with child and the beasts that were involved. And then you, like you were bringing out chapter 14 and the 144,000 still standing and singing victorious. And now we come back to that more familiar grouping of seven. At the same time, it's not only just a, a repeat of the same material, but there's, there's definitely a, an intensification of what has been happening. As, as we read just the first five today of this group of seven, and you compare it to, say, what we've read with the seals or with the trumpets, what we hear John record in this text is a lot more striking. I mean, this is just like, he's upping the ante every time, or I should say Jesus ups the ante every time he shows it to John. Absolutely. And I think, you know, going back to the, um, going back to what you had said that, that John's writing is not supposed to be in a, in a linear chronological, uh, but it's, it's secular. It's in, 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 in that way, it's, it is, in, it is a spiral um, because, I mean, that's just the way that the, that, that the Hebrews write. And that's, I mean, John, John is coming out of that tradition, uh, writing in a very Hebraic way. And so um, he is, you know, he obviously being inspired by the Holy Spirit, but is writing something that continues to hit on the same points. And ultimately, that point central, that central point is Christ is in control. You know, you'll see, you'll see all of these different crazy things happening. And I think, you know, you look at today's world, and you can say, holy cow, these things are crazy. I mean, yeah. Just just that that you you name it, you name it. Um, and it's just like you you, you go back a uh, hundred years from now and you, you, you and uh, people would just put have their hands in their head and just wonder, this has to be this has to be the apocalypse. This just has to be. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, uh, but but John, John keeps on hitting on these points time and time and time again in order to show, oh, yeah you know, we're going to circle back around and guess what? Christ is still in control. Circle yeah. back around. Christ is still in control. Take comfort in that. Yeah. I, I love it. The, the way that you put it, you know, like look at the world around us. It's crazy too. And it, and it keeps getting worse as time goes on. And I imagine if, if our Lord tarries in his return for another hundred years, it'll look that much crazier then, but still Christ remains the ascended King. He reigns over his creation and he does so for the good of his church calling all mankind to repentance. So with that in mind, let's take a look at this part of Revelation, chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea. And it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, True and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. 
people gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. That's our text for today. That's Revelation 16, verses 1 to 11. Pastor Wheatfelt, as the text starts, John hears a loud voice from the temple giving a command to the seven angels. Who might we be hearing in this first verse? So while while um, while the text doesn't explicitly say anything, um, I uh, the the speaker um, and this this has happened before. We hear a loud voice, and it's the the, the speaker is unidentified. Uh, since the the voice is coming from the temple, it's presumably God or you know a messenger of God. But usually, I mean, the, John's been pretty good in in writing this that he I tr- does a good job of identifying um, who the people are. Uh, th- that is especially when it's like an, a messenger of God. He mm-hmm. he does a very good job uh, of of who who that is. So it's most likely God, um, uh, the God who is the one. Now there's one thing I you know I know the ESV is our preferred translation, um, and I, I I appreciate it in many and various ways. However, I do think that they miss the mark when they say a loud voice. Um, came from heaven. Um, the Greek word is more like a great, almost magnificent voice, mm. um, as opposed to a loud voice. I mean, the the it's still the 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 uh, it it still stands that it was a loud voice. Yes, but I mean, I think right. there's so much more there if 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 the if we use the word great uh, as opposed to um, just loud. Uh, it, it almost sounds like instead of like a, a you know. God standing there with a megaphone or something. It it actually, I mean, his word. Yes, it while it is loud, even more so. It actually carries weight. Uh, it mm. actually has some gravitas to it, and that's I think I think that's the more important thing uh, that that the you know as as we go through this, the gravitas of the Lord is actually um, issuing commands here for. Um, for for John for uh, for the angels and for uh, for John to hear as well. And mm-hmm. um, one one last thing. I mean, there's a lot wrapped up into this verse one, but one last thing I, I do want to say. Um, I um, I I, don't, I also think that they kind of missed the mark. Um, and I, I, other translators have missed the mark on this too. When uh, at the end of the verse where it talks about pouring out and then uh, the bowls of the sure. wrath of God. Um, I you know it, I think it would have been translated and I agree I agree so there's a uh, our one of our our, our um, CPH given um, commentary on the revelation is by uh, Lou Brighton when I was at the seminary here in Fort Wayne we had a chance to visit the St Louis Seminary with the student association and do some work with them and I had a chance to sit in on Dr Brighton's class. And uh, I, I got Dr. Brighton's signature in the front of the commentary. So it was nice pulling out that commentary and seeing a signature and the inscription he left uh, for me. Uh, and uh, it was very nice. But uh, Dr. Brighton, in his commentary, as he's talking about um, as he's talking about this section, make sure to indicate that we're not talking about like bowls of cereal or something along those lines. We're talking about, I mean, this is a cosmic worship event going on or in the context of a cosmic worship event. So we're talking about a a sensor that is um, what you burn incense in. And the, the, the piece of the sensor that holds the incense and the charcoal that burns the incense, that's a, that's called the bowl. And so as we go through this, as they're as the the angels are pouring out their bowls, they're pouring out their 
incense bowls, the, the incense pots onto the earth, onto the sun, onto the rivers and the springs of water. That's, I mean, it, it, so it, we should have that kind of cosmic worship mindset in, 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 in our mind's eye as we're talking about these, about these different things. So I think it, I mean, it just, is, it's kind of a cool, uh, reality uh that that this is what is going on that 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 this is incense it's the incense that burned uh in in you know in, in the way of the psalms as as a as a uh, is a sweet smell into the nostril of our god well now it's it's wreaking havoc and wrath on the people of the earth um those who have chosen uh not to uh not who have chosen actively and 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 physically against God and against his bride to his church. So it's just a neat little aside. We're not talking about, you know, what we eat your macaroni and cheese out of or spaghetti or whatever, whatever you want to eat out of a bowl. It's this isn't your ceramic dinner bowl or something like that. No, this is this is the bowl that is part of a, of an incense uh uh, sensor. Uh, and it, I think that's just a, it's, it's a good thing to have in one's mind's eye. Yeah. And I, I think the, the translation sensor does lend a certain weight to it that the English word bowl does not. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the angels are not spilling their captain crunch on the earth. This is <laughs> the fire that is going up before the, before the Lord normally as the prayers ascending now is being poured out on the earth. Martin Franzman, in his commentary on the book of Revelation, makes the point, and I think I mentioned this in the previous episode, that these angels come out from—first, it was the the sanctuary in chapter 15. Here, they're coming out from the temple. And he mm-hmm. makes the point, and I think that's that's helpful, that the temple is God's presence. And so the fact that they're coming out from the sanctuary, from the temple, is a reminder that he's not pouring out his wrath for the sake of desiring to condemn people, but rather— this is a part of his call to repentance because he does want to dwell with his people. Absolutely, and as a call to repentance, it, he I mean he's saying he what he is not saying is I want to be away from you, I want to be alienated from you, I don't want to be with you. No, he's saying repent and believe because my, my with all of my being, I want to be I want you to be with me and me to be with you. And uh, in order to do that, repentance must happen. So I think I think that's a very good point that uh, that, that Dr. Franzman makes. Now the fact that these bowls are filled with the wrath of God, it, it might I mean this makes them you know very striking. Again, that you see that escalation from the seals and from the trumpets. I don't know that people like to talk about God's wrath today. Maybe they never did, but it seems especially today people don't like to talk about God's wrath. Why why do we need as the church to continue to to keep in mind the wrath of God? Uh, we need to keep in mind the wrath of God because there is consequence for for uh, for our sin. There is consequence for those who wish to stand outside of 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 God's grace and His mercy. There, there, it isn't just okay. You you either go to heaven or you go to nothing. It's I mean, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. There's there is there is this balance between the two, and God's wrath um, is not. Because God's a mean guy. It's not because God likes to punish people. It's not because, you know, God woke up on the wrong side of the bed and said, you know what, for for kicks, I'm just gonna, you know, just I'm just gonna be mean today. And 
You know, I think that's the way that the world sees um, God's wrath is God just being a mean person. Uh, you hear it all the time, especially when you talk to millennials and Gen Zers. Um, when when talking about you know why don't why don't you want to believe in God or why why are you alienated from the church? It's oh well, how can I believe in a God who you know lets this happen or mm. what you know you read the Bible and you hear about the wrath of God and it's like how can how can I believe in a God that isn't just like you know warm and fuzzy and you know in in some ways like the Barney God that just wants to sing Kumbaya and I love you and uh, call it a day and make make all your boo-boos go away. Um, no, I mean, that's not the God that we have. I mean, we have a God who seeks pure judgment uh, and, and in judgment, that mean, that simply means making things right. Um, and, and, and how are things uh, made right? How are they satiated uh, for us who believe in that? It's through the blood of Jesus and that blood covers, covers the entire world. But there are those that choose to have it their own way in a Burger King sort of way and um, simply choose to pull themselves out of that and say, no, I'm going to satiate your needs for justice myself. And then they're just there naked with nothing to bear and nothing to give. They're just there. And it's like, oh, I have nothing. I can do yeah. nothing of my own. So. Yeah, it's still an important reality to have it in 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 the in our forefront that you know it's God's wrath isn't because he's angry or he woke up on the wrong side of the bed, but God's God's wrath is for justice. His his desire is that 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 the scales be balanced, and with sin comes the consequences, and with sin there needs to be a payment. And I mean, there was a simple it's a simple task in the Old Testament. I shouldn't say simple's putting it too lightly. I mean, there was a there was a this for that in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. a, a, sac a sin and a sacrifice, a sacrifice for every sin. The beauty of it is it's even simpler. It is actually simple now. All, all sins, all sins have been atoned for in the blood of Jesus and through his death on the cross. And the only sins that are not um, that are not atoned for are the sins that are taken back from Jesus and, and, and that, that are that are taken back and put on oneself. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the, the sin of unbelief. That is the one that remains without forgiveness, the forgiveness that Christ won for all sins. To reject it, that is what does not receive that forgiveness. So we're going to hear about this wrath of God being poured out through the first five censors. We're going to do that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking about Revelation 16 this morning with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love.
Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, June 16th. We're studying Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 to 11 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. He is the Assistant Vice President of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, prior to the break, we looked at the first verse where a voice from heaven, likely the Lord's voice, commands that the angels begin to pour out on the earth the seven bowls or the seven censers of the wrath of God. And so we see that begin to happen in our text. In verse 2, the first angel goes, he pours out his censer on the earth, and harmful and painful sores come upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Take us into the first censer. That first censer, um, you know, it's laid, it's it, it's a heavy one. It's, it's, it's poured upon the earth. Um, and why is it poured upon the earth? As the text says, it is poured upon the earth uh, in in uh, and it, it gives painful, harmful, painful sores that come upon the people. Why are these people the people that bear this? Because they bear the mark of the beast. Uh, they have they have, and that's not a mark that is just kind of casually given. Nor is it, I would say, um, you know, in the in a way of the the kind of the an evangelical. Um, millennial sort of way that it is some sort of, you know, governmental plot or whatever along those lines. This is what people have made a conscious choice either to um, uh, to reject God and and the the go in the way of the beast. Uh, That is the the way of the devil. And um, they have now taken this on to themselves and crafted their lives around him so much so that that they bear that mark as well as then they also worship his image and uh you know you you read all sorts of 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 pop uh apocalyptic rev- uh, biblical based literature and you'll see that this is oh there that the beast is is some sort of political figure and people are now um you know worshiping him and he is the he is the antichrist and yada 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 i mean i i i don't i do, i think it's a lot simpler i think you know we got to we got to keep it simple you know in in a, in a very kiss sort of way um and i think when we do that it it helps us kind of line up our eyes to what is actually going on here this is these these people have actively chosen not to be Part of the community of faith and to be part of the church, they have moved the they've moved themselves out of this, uh, and they so much so that instead of the mark of Christ, who gives us you know his his makes us in his image and his likeness in the in the waters of baptism, gives us his own holy name, he they have then um, brought brought this upon themselves in order to. Um, make their make an image out of them make an image for themselves out of the mark of the beast and they then go on to worship fall down and worship him and there's a whole lot of different things culturally that you can at you can put at this from um you know consumerism to uh, you know the the, the current narcissism with social media hedonism um mm-hmm. any sort you know so many so many different isms to you know, you, you can talk about abortion or transgenderism or, or, or the LGBTQ, any all sorts of these things. They when when we touch these evil things, they don't. Coming. Us and then leave us alone. 
completely change who we are and what so it's so uh, it's so important to stay away from them it's so vital to not embrace them from again you know the the sexual sins and pornography and all sorts of different other things stay away from these don't touch evil things because when we touch evil things we give them power and in a sense we're giving them i should say let me say this backwards i said it backwards we give them life we enliven them mm -hmm. and we also give them power over ourselves we also give them the the power to change who we are and and what we're about so that we want these things more and more and more as opposed to the good pure things of god and that's why it's so important to stay in contact with them through regular worship through regular bible study through regular prayer and regular receiving of the sacrament um it is so important that we're about this these things as opposed to the things of this world so mm. i think yeah that, that 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 is why you know this first pot is poured out this first um censor bowl is poured out upon them yeah and and i think it's worth pointing out as you you have that this first censor is poured out upon those who bear the mark of the beast. So Christians are spared from this one. And that, that's reminiscent of, and even what happens, the matter that they're painful sores, this is once again reminiscent of what happened in Egypt with the 10 plagues. We've seen that previously, especially with the trumpets. That was a big part of it. So we're seeing it poured out here again with the incense bowls. And I, I think, you, again, you see the escalation here, because whereas, say, with the trumpets, over and over again, these things were affecting, say, a third of certain things. Here, there doesn't seem to be that limitation. This is this again is upping the ante, and that continues when the second angel pours out his censer. So he pours out his censer in verse three. He pours it into the sea, and the sea becomes like blood of the corpse, and every living thing dies that was in the sea. Talk about this one. It's it is uh, it is it is very interesting. Well, the sea is already seen as you know in in the ancient world, the sea is a place of 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 the darkness already. And uh, it, traveling, you know, for us, travel is so easy. Air, land, sea, whatever it is, it is it is in many and various ways so so easy for us. It's not until you get into the hard um, skills, uh, the craft, you know, vo hard vocations. And things get 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 difficult. So you think of you know I I always enjoyed this uh, catch um, and watching what 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 the guys had to do yeah. uh, going through that. I mean that was their work is impossibly hard uh, and it's it's backbreakingly hard. And that's when the sea gets dangerous when you're trying to make a vocation out of that. And uh, but but for us you know people who you know you know you may go on a cruise. At, at, at most, you may, you know, you, you might even, you know, if you're in a in a big city that has, um, you know, a ferry or something, you may go across, um, across the ferry on the ferry. You know, up here in the Midwest, folks will travel from one side of Lake Michigan to the other side of Lake Michigan, uh, and it, but it's it's very simple. It's very almost mundane, you know. Uh, but. Mm -hmm. But but the, the for the ancients, the, the sea is the place of, of darkness and it, it is a scary, scary place. 
And uh, yeah, and then going into verse four with with pouring out uh, it into the rivers and to the springs of water. You know, verse three and verse four then are very reminiscent. You know, you pair them together of the first plague uh, that happens to the Egyptians of uh, when when the when the Nile is turned into blood. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a, that's I mean, again teaching in that secular uh, sort of spiral esque sort of way. That's, I think that's exactly what, what what John is trying to do here is trying to lay out okay this this is very very interesting but very peculiar for um, and, and and very serious um, yeah. where the Egyptians had chosen uh, to and you know the Egyptians through Pharaoh chose to rebel against God so too the people of the world in the land, the sea, the rivers and and, and the like, have now uh, chosen to rebel against God, and now they're suffering this punishment. They're suffering. Mm. Um, they're suffering the sores. Uh, and uh, in, in verse two, they're suffering the the water turning into to blood. In verse uh, in verse two and three, or sorry, ver- yeah, verse three and four, um, very reminiscent of the plagues and uh, that, yeah. that that befell the Egyptians. So it's 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 a very interesting to see how 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 this is all paired. Uh, together through John's revelation. Well, and I think the connection to the plagues and what you said earlier about when we reject what God wants for us, he does start to give us what we want. I think Mm -hmm. you called it Burger King. That's, That's the, I've heard it called that before. And just the way that revelation does repeat with this intensity is a reminder of, okay, if you do start to reject the gifts of God and he begins to give you what you want, you do see how it does grow worse and worse and worse. The more that you refuse what God has for you and desire the things of your sinful flesh, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, just like we've seen in these various cycles. Absolutely, and it's going it's going to get worse because the Lord is just going to give you what you want, which you don't realize is so bad for you. Yeah. And uh, He'll just let you He'll let you have it your way. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's the isolation of hell. Um, that that it's ultimately you're just left to your own devices, and as opposed to being in the community of the saints of of God, um, in in heaven. So it's a very yeah, it's a it, it's it's very interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah. Now, in the midst of the third angel pouring out his censer into the river and the springs of water and those becoming blood, John hears two voices. First, he hears the voice of the angel in charge of the waters, which makes sense. The last, the plagues, the second and third, affect the waters. And so this angel who's in charge of those waters says, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Talk about the words that this angel speaks. The, the, so the words this angel speaks is very, um, is very profound and very, very much, you know, again, going to the fact that they are the people are simply getting what they wanted. Not even necessarily, I mean, what they deserve too. It's not that they're asking for um it's not even that they're asking for it um but they it, 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 it's not that yeah they, that they they are definitely getting what they deserve but also what they wanted uh what they've been hope what they've been asking for the whole way and god is finally like okay you have have it your way um and and so they are the ones that have um been shedding the blood of the of the saints and the prophets 
It is them that has been doing this and saying, no, no, no. It's very reminiscent to, you know, Jesus's parable of the vineyard uh, and the workers in the vineyard, the evil, the wicked, the wicked workers that um, the, 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 the master sends his, sends his servant servants to go into the vineyard. And what do they do? They, they kill them. And they, then they send more, he sends more uh, to, to, to tell them it's time for the harvest and they stone them and they kill the other. And finally he says to himself, uh, paraphrasing the parable, uh, you know, I'll, I'll send my son. And what do they do? They ultimately kill the son thinking, and then cast him out thinking that, you know, because the son is dead now they will get, the inheritance and it's like friends that is not how this thing works it, in no way ever has is this in no way in in the history of the world you are going to get exactly what you deserve and then what does the master ultimately do he gives it to people he gives it to another more people um and uh ultimately those people are the ones that bring in the harvest the same thing i think goes here uh, you know, they've these people have been touched time and time and time again uh, with the word and they've rejected the word over and over and over again. And finally, the Lord's just like, OK, here you go. This is what it looks like. And blood, yeah. blood, blood, blood. Uh, you'll be drinking this from now on as opposed to the water that uh, your body so desperately needs. But this is what you have um, as opposed to that. Yeah. Now, John also hears then in verse 7 another voice, and here, this is, a, I think, unique. He hears the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. We've heard voices by the altar. This seems to be the altar itself speaking. What does the altar say? So that is, it is this is a unique thing to um, this chapter in John's Revelation. Yeah, you like you said, Pastor Opley, there are folks around the altar. There are even folks under the altar. Uh, and um, it, but but to actually hear the altar, the, the altar is crying out now. Um, the altar is the place where the uh, the incense, you know, the sacrifice is happening. The uh, the incense uh, is close to, so it there it's witnessing to these things. The altars where the blood is as well. I think that's something else to to note that the altar is the place for the blood, and the blood is now everywhere, um, and uh, in in the waters, in the rivers, and in the springs of water, or yeah, the springs of water, and it is not on the altar, which is the place that it should be, and so uh, it is that there is a justice now to do the to the cry of the altar that you are like yes you are the holy you are the lord almighty true and just are your judgments is what the text says in a sense this is exactly what you what you said was going to happen you are just keeping to your word that's 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 what has been important. That what is what continues to be important. And this you are you are just a person. Uh, you are you are just a person to, of your word. And that's what that that's what this is all about. Mm. Yeah, the connection to the altar here. I, I wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a a hint of of some hope for the Christian, especially that the altar is crying out about the the justice of God's judgments, knowing that the altar being the place of blood. And thinking about the blood of Jesus bringing justice, bringing justification for our sins. Again, I, I understand in the in the context, 
the altar crying out, you have, like, along with the angel previously, you've shed the blood of the righteous, now you will drink this blood, it, you know, that, mm-hmm. that it's what you deserve. At the same time, to hear the altar cry out along those same lines, especially about God's judgments, I wonder if there might be a little bit of hope there just to, to be reminded of what the blood of Christ does do and how those who believe receive that justification through his blood. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, w- looking at another commentary, it, it said that um, the, like the altar is the personification of the martyrs. And so mm. the martyrs who have been, you know, wrapped up, put under the altar and um, have been whose robes have been cleansed with the blood of the lamb now say, OK, Yes, this is this is meat right and salutary for us, for us to receive, but even for you to receive. Yeah. And we receive in many ways the same thing. We are receiving the blood, but the blood for you is a curse. The blood for you leads to death. The blood for us, which you what you wanted to use for evil, God has used for good. And God is used for for the the the, the uplifting of his saints. And it is good for us. Good. And meet right side. So we turn then to verse eight. We've got the fourth angel pouring out his censer. And this one, man, it just, you keep seeing the escalation. So the fourth angel pours out his censer on the sun. And now the that is allowed to scorch people with fire. They're scorched by the fierce heat. But then they don't repent. They don't give God glory. Instead, they curse the name of God who has power over these plagues. We talked about how these angels coming from the temple, the Lord wants to be present with his people. He wants to call them to repentance. But here we see very clearly that these people are rejecting the Lord's good purposes. Absolutely. being And instead, now he son do this intense heat uh, that scorches uh, things. So, you know, for then the sun is darkened on when Jesus is and ultimately dies. But now it's flipped. It's up. The, the light um, it now shines not just so brightly that it's, it actually scorches and instead of this is a thing that ours we, we the ones that are being injured here and that are being hurt here so let you know we shame on you god which i mean it's a cry that we hear today um you know from from many and various folks throughout the world shame on shame on you oh lord but uh instead uh you know, they they when they don't repent, what ha- what ultimately uh, happens to them? Uh, they 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 receive exactly what they deserve, and we'll see that. And again, they don't repent, and they don't give him the glory. Uh, they're they're still holding this themselves, thinking that they have any weight and play any stake, have any stake to play in here. In verse ten and eleven of our text, the fifth angel pours out his censer. He pours that censer on the throne of the beast. Its kingdom is plunged into darkness. There's another connection to the plagues of Egypt. People now are gnawing their tongues in anguish, cursing the God of heaven, and once again, no repentance. Take us into this fifth censer, the last one we have for today. 
And this fifth one, then it's poured straight onto the throne of the beast that this is this is a direct condemnation of the source for all of this, uh, that it is this is these atrocities happen because of the work of the beast. And what do, what do people do? Again, they don't repent. They now their tongues and uh, ultimately they're 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 plunged into to darkness. They curse the they curse God. Um, they 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 blame him for this, and they say, if it wasn't for you, we would be able to be just fine, which is kind of amazingly mind blowing. It's it it's just completely counter to what they should be doing. Uh, they should be repenting. Uh, and they should be uh, they sh- they should be repenting of their deeds. They should be um, uh, asking for forgiveness because God is there ready to forgive. He is I mean, he is simply there as the the father of the prodigal son, looking for, pining for the people, lo- waiting to run down the road to embrace them to to put the finest of clothes on them to and to put a ring on them to feed them with the finest affairs but instead they just continue to reject they reject reject and they do not repent and uh that's that that's ultimately you know again the lord letting them have it their way and please and note notice it's not that he he plunges them into this utter darkness first There are in many ways, there's there's warning signs and warning signs and warning signs. And finally, he just lets lets it go. He just lets them go to to do what they what they want to do and to have it their way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, reading through the 10 plagues in in the book of Exodus, every time you see Pharaoh turn again and and refuse to believe, you just think, come on, what what is it going to take? Something similar is at play here in the book of Revelation. What what more must the Lord do to get your attention to call you to repentance? And just the utter tragedy of unbelief is evident, and we're seeing it here in the pouring out of these five censers again. Got about three minutes here on the morning. Pastor Wheatfelt helps to wrap things up on this text, remind us of the warning and the encouragement that is ours in this text from Revelation 16. Absolutely. The the warning in all of this is that you know the day of the ra- the day of the, the Lord's judgment is coming. Repent and believe in the gospel. Um, we 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 we've got to continue to pray for those um, in our lives, especially that are not of the faith. Uh, we continue to carry the word of the gospel to them, um, and we 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 must. I mean, because there is a judgment. I think you know, in in a in in a world that you know is so soft for us, that is so easy on us. That is so much so of a uh, you know where we can we we can receive such great things, especially in you know in, in in a country that we're so blessed in, we can lose sight that the end is coming. The end is coming, and at the end, all things, everything will be made right and just, and that's that that should that should. For the Christian, give us great comfort, give us great joy, knowing that for us waits eternal paradise, for us waits 
our the lamb who sits on the throne for us who awaits our ascended lord our our lord who sends his holy spirit uh to us and the lord who is father son and holy spirit um and and continues to give us his gifts but to those outside of this to those who are out who stand outside this should bring fear and as the text says time and time again it does not bring fear it does not bring fear and it only causes further hardening of hearts it does not bring fear and it only causes folks to continue to spiral into their own abyss and ultimately the lord will let them have it their way he'll let them he'll let them go and he'll let them receive what is the what is their just desserts at the end of uh, at the end of the day and uh we we must continue to pray for those outside the church we must continue to bring those who do not know christ to christ so that they may learn uh, and and you know hear his word hear his word read and preached and receive his sacraments and and ultimately receive the gifts of the lord we must continue to um pray for those who um you know are of different faiths because there is only one way uh, to, to 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 heaven and that is in jesus christ and uh continue to be about his words be about his word be about his gifts that he gives make worship regular make bible study regular not in the way of the law but because these days are so hard uh, and that is where the Lord is found, and he that is where he gives you his gifts. Pastor Matt Wheatfelt serves as the Assistant Vice President of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He has been helping us today to study Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 to 11. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks, Pastor Oppel. A joy to be with you once again. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions about this part of Revelation 16, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It is always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>